Hello, this is Peter Jonathan Robertson with the 54th edition of the PJ Archive. It's an interview I did with the world-famous French singer, guitarist, actor and TV star Sasha Distel, who sadly died in 2004 at the age of 71. This interview took place in 2000, when Sasha came to London to star in the West End musical Chicago. I think a lot of people were probably quite surprised you didn't come over here to do some concerts instead or something like that, but you've done quite... Well, I've done quite quite a lot of concerts, but I think England now is, is like anywhere else, like France, like anywhere else in the world, if you don't have a hit record. Uh, people, I mean, there's so many shows, you know, around, and especially here in this country. So if you don't have a hit record, they're not specially interested, so they like you. They always actually sell it, I know whatever the name is. But but if you don't have a hit track, they just don't buy the tickets to come and see you. You say that, but you've still got a big fan following, especially here, I should think. Yes, yes, I, I, I'm, I, you know, I'm finding out every day that I do, but still, you know, I mean, to be in a theatre costs money. Yeah. And, and are people ready to spend, like, I don't know, 25 pounds or 30 pounds if you don't have a new, something new to, to offer? Mm. And since I, you know, I don't even have a record company at the, at the moment, I'm, uh, which is, seems very strange, but that's the way it is now. You know, the record business is, is made for the people under 25, almost, I would say. When and did you last record a new album? Because you had the greatest hits out about three years ago. I, I did. Um, well, um, we have a compilation album. We're still yeah. out in this country, but it's of songs through the years. Yes, you know, and so of some of the arrangements really sound a little bit old-fashioned, I should right. say. I've always got a lot of charm. But right. uh, no, I, I made an album uh, two years ago in France. Uh, and another one four five years ago. Five years ago, I did an album. I had an uncle, Ray Ventura, who was yeah, very famous. Yeah, yeah. And I, I revived 15 of the big hits he had, oh, and, yeah. and which gave me the occasion of, of having my own band, 18 pieces, you know. We're still, going, we're still going on the road, you know, with about 50 concerts a year, roughly. And it, it's a great satisfaction to be conducting a band, to be arranging, to be presenting some of the new musicians, young musicians I have in the band. So that was a hit record. We sold over 100,000 albums, which is very good. Then a couple of years ago, I did a new album, new songs in French, which I'm starting to work on, trying to have some English versions to some of the songs, including a, a duet with Dionne Warwick. Yes. But, but again, you know, it's, uh, we don't get airplay for some reason. And the, the song with Dionne is really wonderful. Does that make in, you angry that you don't get the airplay? It, well, it is, it's disappointing in a way, because, you, you, you know, when I, I can remember when I was 20, 20 years old, 25 years old, people who had been there before me, uh, I had respect for yeah, them, you yeah. know, and I knew who they were. Now, it seems that, the, you know, people in the radio station, I mean, if they, they just don't, they're not interested, they don't want to know. And I think the song with Dionne, uh, was called in French, you don't pouvait arrêter le temps, and uh, she wrote an English lyric called If We Could Only Stop Time, If We Could Stop Time. Uh, it's really, I mean, a good song, not because I wrote it, but it's a good song, and she, she's, she's so beautiful. But even, uh, you know, somebody like Dionne Warwick, you, you get more, oh yes, uh, Whitney Houston aunt. Mm, you get exactly. that kind, yeah. which is a, a shame, because the first of all, she's not the aunt, she's the cousin. Yeah, <laughs> and, 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 but, I mean, you know, it's a similar problem, and, uh, and sometimes you, you wonder why, you know. And when I was a young uh, singer in France, I was interested by, in Charles Trenet and, and, and those things. So, and, and, it becomes. I think that the, the, that part of our business, you know, is a little bit difficult. So now I'm I'm a West End actor and singer, and it brings a new life to to uh, you know. It's, it's like I'm very very enthusiastic about it. And when I come to the theatre every day, I really look forward being on stage.
language, you know, and, it's, and, and, and I know the people come here, they're interested in seeing what I'm going to do there, you know, and, and night after night it goes so well, and it's, it's beautiful. You mentioned your uncle, Ray Ventura. Tell us about your parents. What jobs were they involved in? I know the story about the war and everything else, and you had a very tough childhood, but what were your parents' jobs? Well, I didn't have... I mean, I mean let's keep things... As, I, I had a tough, tough life for two yeah. years. Yes. <laughs> it's not the whole childhood. Yeah. Well, because my, my mother was a premier prix, first prize of the Conservatoire de Piano from, of Paris. Right. So she was a musician, not using it professionally, but she was a very right. good musician. That's probably where, where she was uh, Ray Ventura's uh, elder sister. Right. That's probably where it came from. And my, my father was a Russian emigre and he was born in Odessa in Russia and then and just escaped when the, yeah. the, the Reds came in right. and just walked all through Central Europe and then up in Paris because uh, an elder brother of his was there already and um, he started to be in, uh, have a garage <laughs> what didn't work really so well F- he finished his studies first uh, right. in, in chemistry, chemistry because right. you know, not speaking French with the formulas it was easier <laughs> and he got great you know he got his uh, degrees as, as an engineer and uh, but I mean there was no good for a living you know so he was interested in cars he had a gear then he he went on with my mother helping him in this, um, selling electric supplies. And uh, when I was in age to choose, my, you know, in between my uncle who was a great star, a musician, and selling electric supplies, the choice was made. <laughs> Did he help you in any way? Yeah, my, my uncle was, I mean, I mean, I owe him a lot of what I'm doing now. He, when I was 19, you know, I finished well, the, well, the baccalaureate, which was a good college creation. And he said, what do you want to do? I said, I'd love to be in and I was already well known as a guitarist. Yes. I said, well, well, I mean, I've got a music publishing firm which I don't have really time to to right. run. If if you're interested, uh, you can have it, but you've got to go and see all over the world how it works. We so sent me to New York, and I spent six months at the age of 19 in New York on my own. And if you're in New York on your own, if you don't speak English, you're dead. <laughs> and that's where I started to to learn how to speak English. Right. Then I came here for two months in Denmark Street at Peter Morris Music Publishing. And, uh, you know, I went all around Germany and Italy. And, um, but Apart from your uncle, though, who else were your inspirations? People like Maurice Chevalier, Edith Piaf? Finally, look, Maurice Chevalier, not at all, although although I became quite... Uh, one uh, Toward the end of his life, yeah. And, and he, you know, he was my uh, my godfather. In first record, he wrote some lines. He did private. And I was more on, on the jazz side, and, and really I discovered that I wanted to sing by uh, listening to Frank Sinatra. That's really uh, what really put me into singing beautiful melodic songs and, and being a jazz musician playing guitar you know, I've recorded with the Mother Jazz Quartet with Lionel Hampton did some concerts with such people as Stan Guess uh, Dizzy Gillespie Miles Davis and Do you have your own your own records out as, uh, as a jazz guitarist or was it always uh, yes, supporting Yes I had, I had two of them were they hits? Which, uh, no, no, just right. jazz. I mean, hit, you know, you hit, you know yeah, a, a jazz album yeah. with 5,000 copies. Yeah. It's a big hit. <laughs> <laughs> then uh, maybe the album with uh, Lionel Hampton, so, but it was not under my name. Um, then then the one with uh, John Lewis and the MJQ was really, you know, my in my Hall of Fame becomes number one, you know. That was the first time the MJQ uh, accepted to... Rec- I mean, they invited me. Right. The first time they recorded with somebody out, outside the quartet. And it was, I mean, the jazz world, you know, it was like uh, the biggest thing. But my, my ambition was always, I wanted to sing. That really what I was aimed at, you know. So how did that come about? How did it switch to singing? Well, music publishing, you know, because I, I considered very quickly, very early in my life that... Uh, jazz guitar would not 
lead me anywhere. So all the great players that played with me in those days, they had to get up very early in the morning to go in a studio to make money, recording session, accompanying singers. So I said, I might as well be a singer and have those guys work. You know, I can picture myself being 40 years old or more, carrying a guitar amplifier, going to the studio to to play for any uh, any corny singer, <laughs> whatever. So that was the first move. And but I was still I had started uh, my own music publishing company. And uh, I was working along with a record company who used an American uh, arranger called Billy Bias from America to make the French recording sound a little bit different from the others with an American arranger. And Billy Bias, you know, we used to be like the equal of Quincy Jones, right. who came to Big Paris time. at the same time. And we, we all hang around all the time. And one day, you know, there was a song in my firm which I liked very much, and uh, I played it to Billy Byers. To Billy Byers was sick and tired of the f- typical French song with three chords. Is that Scooby-Doo? No, that was a song by a writer called Paul Misraki called Quand j'y pense. Quand j'y pense, da 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 Very sinatrous, you know. And he said, well, why don't you... Rec- uh, so I went all around the business, could never find anybody that would accept to sing it. And Bill told me, why don't you sing it yourself? I'll, I'll write the arrangements. Okay, let's do it. And that's how I did my first uh, 45 EP, was four songs, with three other songs, the standards, the end of a love affair, and things like that, very slow, very very three o'clock in the morning. You know. okay. Then somebody in uh, very very one of the, the probably the best artistic uh, director of, in the business in fact called Maurice Daisy heard it because uh, some of the radios were interested in having the, the guitar players you know the star guitar player session is always singing let's and they the record was not very good you know but he, they played it and this guy Maurice Daisy heard it and called me said well listen uh, I've heard your record I don't think that's exactly what you should do but uh if you if you want if you don't have a manager or anybody, I would like I would love to work with you, and I started to work with him, and that was it. And then we had Scooby Doo. Oh, how long after did you did you have Scooby Doo? Six months. So it was very very early. I mean, right. it went very quickly. I mean, I was very lucky. What happened actually? Um, we had that little. Jazzy song, you know, but I meet a girl and say, "What do you do for a living?" And uh, for a living, and she says, "I see eating apples and peaches and then uh, whatever strawberries, whatever it was." And I just had a quartet when I started to to sing, and and it was the, when when came the the um, chorus, it missed something, you know, just right. the guitar, the you know, piano, bass, and drums, and I had the idea, say, "Why don't you sing a little jazzy riff behind?" Uh, I sing the melody on top, and the, the three, the four guys will sing it. And I, so I went, went to look. Ooh, you could, no, it doesn't work. Scooby doo, Scooby doo, ah, Scooby doo, and we, oh, Scooby doo is a good idea. And then Maurice stays here. The man was, I, I got, it, I got it. So we rehearsed it. I said, well, I stopped at house. I got it. The girl sells apples and peaches and Scooby de pom de pois and Scooby doo. And the song, first time in France, somebody sold a million records. And and all the kids, you know, Scooby. What is a Scooby Doo? And I was I was keeping very mysterious. About, I can't tell you. It's very, and then when well, they came up with that uh, little knot, you know, with mm-hmm. very different colors, uh, in one of my shows in the uh, south of France in summer, I did a big tour, like seventy dates in sixty days in July and August. You know, all in demand everywhere. 
and they they you know send the police and they forced the the door and they gave me that so we call it a Scooby Doo and from then on there was a Scooby Doo rage yeah. all over France yeah. and then the the cartoon everything yeah. it all came from that I invented it. Yeah. <laughs> now, did anyone ever suggest that you should change your name from Sasha Destel or was it always? It is my name. Yeah, no, it, I it know is it my is. name. Why well, should I change business people sometimes? Well, it, it, I mean, you know, you're lucky enough that mm. your name works everywhere. Yes. You know, like, you know, you t for instance, you get that lo lovely little girl, Mireille Mathieu. When yes. you come to England, you say, Mireille Mathieu. I mean, it's, it's totally different. Yeah. Sasha, you say Sasha Distel or Sasha Distel or Sasha Distel, but it works yeah. the same everywhere. Why should I change it? Mm. Now, you were introduced to this country by Petula Clark and her husband, isn't that right? Yeah. And you're still friends with them? Oh, you? yes. <laughs> well, the, the thing is that um, I had my, I, in those days, I had my own show which went on for 10 years on French television called Sasha Show and, and Petula just came to France at that moment and I had some resident people and I, I very often as, as often as she wanted she would be a resident uh, guest in the show and that helped a lot to her career in France although although she did not need me but she, she was a, you know she had some Romeo uh, uh, and so many big hits she had in French because she had been a star here as, as a child but then, then, you know, there was a little bit of a moment where nothing happened much. Then she became a star in France. Then she came back here. And um, she always remembered that in France I was, you know, we were, we were great friends. And I knew Claude before they knew each other, you know. And then someday when she had all these big American hits, you know, Downtown, I Know Plays, Don't Sleep in the Subway, she was, you know, on, on the track in America. And Claude was not working as much as he used to in England, because in America you've got to have an American management. And Claude one day came to me and said, well, listen, you know, I, I still have all my connections in England. Uh, and I think that among French people, if, if there's one who's got a chance, it's you. Would you like to try out? And I was a little bit sick and tired of being on television, you know, all the time. And it's, I mean, I had done, I'd been around it, so I wanted to do something different. So, okay, give it a try. You almost became more popular over here than in France. Well, at the right? time, you know, my, yeah, I was, uh, I was a bit, you know, I had been 10 years in television, you know, mm. people got so used to me, they, they didn't pay attention anymore. Mm. And, and all of a sudden, I come here and I became, you know, with the regular raindrops and I became the big sensation and we're playing all, all the, I mean, some theatres, I would have never dreamed of being a star. The London Palladium, can you imagine? Prince of Wales was there 15 weeks there. You know, the, now, so with all respect, I know you don't want to talk about a certain relationship you happen, but it seems that um, the press and the media have made more of a thing about your relationship with Bardot than you, you were interested in. Well, yeah, well, they always come back. I mean, I'm the same same picture as 40 years old. I mean, mm. more than 42 years old. I mean, it's getting very boring, you know, because because what you should know is when, I mean, the thing with Bardo was, was very, very romantic and very sincere. It just, I always wanted to get married and I always wanted to have children. And I, you know, I, I and I found out, although she was the most beautiful girl in the world in those days, we we found out, although the, the summer holiday in 1958 in Saint-Tropez was great, but I mean, I realized that she didn't want to have children, and I realized that she wouldn't be the mother of my children. It's as, as simple as that. So she went her way, she married somebody else, and I went my way, and only then, later when she was married and, and expecting a child with somebody else, the only end my Scooby-Doo thing happened and I became right. a star, so it's got really nothing to do with her. Yeah. And then I proved that my I was totally uh, truthful and, and I'm, I married somebody and yeah, I got two children and we're still married 39 yeah. years later. Yeah. When did you last see Bajo or talk to her? 
Oh, quite a long time. You know, she doesn't go out much. Uh, she's now married uh, with a guy who's um, a little bit extreme right politically, you know, and uh, I don't especially like that, <laughs> which is the least I can say. But I mean, she, she's still, I mean, I'm, people meet in life and then they, they yeah. you know, they, they live their life. Yeah. And I mean, all I want to know is that when, when we met, she was just gorgeous. And yeah. that's all I want to remember. Mm. You know, that's it for me. You know? mm. So when I, I mean, that's only England, you know, really. I mean, nowhere in the world would, would still get all those headlines now. I mean, yeah. so old fashioned, you know, I mean, you should tell your friends in the press. A lot of people <laughs> criticise her for deciding to grow old naturally. Is that something that you think she? Do you think she should have done something to herself to keep herself? I, I, I don't know. I, I'm not interested. You know, right. I, I tell you, there's no comment. You know, right. she, she was just when we met, she was just gorgeous, and then that's all I can remember. That's what, all I'm interested in. Were people trying to get you into the movies? Trying to get you because you did a few movies. Well, they, they they did, but you should understand that uh, you know when you when you work in France, you work in France, and you don't really being French and singing and performing in French, you, that doesn't allow you to, like, you know, if you speak English, you, I mean, you can go all over the world and, and perform in your language. If you're, in, if you're French, you've got to go to Germany, speak in, and perform in German. I mean, you used to, not, not anymore. But, and uh, same in England. I mean, if you just perform in French, forget it. You can do the Barbican Hall uh, one night and that's it. So the, the thing is, that people in France ask for me, very, but you know, in the cinema, in the film industry, they ask you to, they, would you be interested in doing that? And you've got to start it one week later. It's just, all, all of a sudden they found the money we're looking after, and they start shooting the following. And I had contracts two years in advance. And, and you know, I, I was supposed to do a bout souffle. Uh, you know the the thing that Jean-Paul Belmondo did, and was his uh, Godard asked me to do it, right. and I couldn't. And I mean, Godard was unknown totally at the time. There was the first big, thing. but I couldn't do it because I had contracts. You know. Have that, you regretted that ever since that you didn't make yes. more of a movie? Yeah, when I, I I don't regret things when I haven't done them because I could not right. do them. You know, so so there's no point of regretting. But now this thing, Chicago. Is really a dream come true. All my life, you know, I envy those great musicals I would see, you know, those people dancing, singing, uh, uh, you know, all those lovely ladies moving around the stage. And, and all of a sudden, you know, it happens within, with, I mean, six months ago, I had no idea I, I would do this, you know. And, and, and I've been trying for uh, quite a few years now to put together a musical based on Maurice Chevalier's yeah. life story, just because I think the Chevalier would be a good good link to for the century, you know, with the two world wars, with the, the, the American career, with Lou Beach in Hollywood, with, you know, all those lovely ladies around them. It's a great thing to, to, to write around, you know, and to, uh, how could I say, to, to go all around you know, this yeah. life. And, and uh, I never succeeded in doing it because once I had a theater, uh, and a, a lovely guy called Peter Coe from England originated the idea, and unfortunately he killed himself right away on the road. So I, I went on with the idea, and um, funnily enough, now we're talking about it <laughs> again, you know, and, and the people from from, uh, from here. Can I just go back to the languages aspect? Yeah. Um, did you have to learn, swat up on languages when you became a celebrity because you needed to go to different countries and record in the language? Well, you know, in, Fran in France we have a system where uh, if you want, in college, you, you learn two f what they call foreign languages. So right. I took Latin, which was 
on the base, which, which, which helped a lot for Italian and Spanish. Then the two languages I picked uh, was German as number one. That's my parents' choice. They say they invade us every 20 years, so you'll be ready next time. <laughs> really. <laughs> and second was English. And then with my uncle sending me to that, you know, uh, everywhere in the world to, yeah. to, to speak a better English. And then when I first started to, to work in this country, there was a great gentleman called Nori Paramore, who was a producer. Yeah. He was sending the shadows, Cliff Richard and some of those. And he spent centuries mm. to to learn, you know, to make me pronounce it English right. And you said, don't say this feeling, you say this this feeling, mm. you know, and, and went on for hours, and I, and I really owe him a lot of uh, of the English I speak now. But on the other hand, to the English, especially to English women, it seems to be very attractive to have a French accent. Were you actually told to, you know, stress that? No, not at all. I mean, and, you know, yes, sometimes Norris says, Sasha, be careful, your English is getting too good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I don't force it either way. I'm, I'm right. just sick and tired of peaking up people picking me on, on an accent, which I don't have. You know, when I see raindrops keep falling on my head and they keep, oh, on my head, you know, they keep, they, I mean, it, it, I, I did it like that way. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I'm, I'm not trying to force it, you know, in any direction, not more, not less. I'm trying the best, you know, especially in Chicago. I, I've got to be credible. How did you feel about the the image, though, that um, French people have to the British, especially to the British women? Is that something that you quite enjoy, the fact that that the French have a reputation for being romantic and sexy and all that sort of stuff? You know, I mean... Look at the life we have here. Like, oh, it's what, like six o'clock in the afternoon? It's not a noise. <laughs> then we'll be playing the show, you know. Uh, they normally come and say, hello, hello, how are you today? Then 10.20, we're finished. 10.30, the theater's empty. Everybody's been catching a train to go home. <laughs> uh, it's not that, that glamorous, you know. I'm talking about uh, being in a show like this. Although, you look at the poster, and they say, oh, it's actually a lucky guy. Uh, now, I think... Um, 30, 40 years ago, you presumably couldn't even go out of a stage door because you'd be mobbed all the time. Oh, that, that still happens. No, not as much, but it still happens because, you know, that's a great successful thing for me. You're coming, you know, some of the mothers told you that their daughters, oh, you know, when I was your age, oh, I was in love with Sasha. Yeah. And then I come back, like, 20 years later, and I, I don't really look too different. Okay. And, and the, I think some of them told me, oh, I'm proud to see the way you look. Because I told my, told my daughter you look great, and she finds you look great, you know, which, which is a great thing. But I want to know about the fans in the early days, in the 60s and 70s. What were the more extreme examples of where you were mobbed and so on? Oh, well, I mean, had ladies coming out in front with a, with a, a coat and nothing on there. Really? <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that happened all the time. It still, happened, it still happened there not so far ago. But, really? but uh, you know, it's just... Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not really, uh, how could I say, you know, I love music and I, I'm, you know, mm. I'm thinking of what I'm doing and, uh, and it's, it's fun, you know, but I always say that I, I doubt it very much I could find the, uh, the woman of my life at a backstage door mm-hmm. uh, and I, in a way I mean it, you know, I, I mean it's lovely to have fans, you know, and, and, and the day you don't have them anymore, you're sorry, mm. but, but that's... Do you still have a fan club, Sasha? Kind of, but I'm I'm answering now, now with a computer system right, because so easier, yeah. I'm answering myself, you know, mm-hmm. to letters. I sign my, I, I do sign my. I mean, it seems strange to say that, but I really do sign the pictures myself. But there's a, a young lady. She was a young, young, young lady when I first met her. First show I ever did in this country, for, with the invited by Silla Black at Hippodrome. Mm-hmm. Totally unknown, and there's all the lovely ladies with the hats. And, mm-hmm. and, 
Sasha just said, who's Sasha Distel? And I sang a song, which was, I don't know, mm. Autumn Leaves or thing like that. And coming out of the theaters, you know, having the sensation that mm. nobody cared, mm. there was that little girl with the parent, her parents, mm. and the parents said, well, my daughter loves, is in love with you, she like a real autograph, and I gave her an autograph. And we kept in touch, and she's now a grown-up lady, yeah. and we, we're, we're, so she loves to, to, to yeah. take care of what it's called a fan club, yeah. and she does, and we kept in touch ever since. Now, in those early days, you worked with Morecambe and Wise, and they called you Slasher Distel. How did you feel no, about that? No, that's another thing which is not right. Oh, is that right? I okay. did do a couple of things with Morecambe and Wise, okay. but I did a lot with uh, Mike and Bernie Winters, oh, right. and that was Bernie Winters, God bless him. He was the one that called uh, that. You know, that was him. It was not everybody refers Malcolm and White. It was not Malcolm and White. It was Bernie Winters. Well, You've worked with a lot of people over yeah. the years. Which has been the most enjoyable partnership? Or well, first time I played the London Palladium. I mean, I'm to be such a, to be a French star and, and be head top of the bill at the London Palladium for three weeks was really for me. I mean, the greatest. I would have. I wouldn't have dreamed doing that. Mm. Now, the second London Palladium season, I was with two in first part, ending the first part of the show, where uh, three guys, father and two sons, called High Science and Dad. And they were like Sammy Davis Jr., you know, uh, uh, but just two of them. And, and Gregory Hines became the big star of the film with Barachnik. And we, we were really... I never heard from him anymore, but, I mean, we, we know that we know each other, so that was great. And also that um, long season at the Prince of Wales Theatre, we said 15 weeks, Stefan Grappelli, which I brought back from mm. Paris, and, and he became famous again because it was a little bit forgotten at the time. And Ted Rogers was uh, beginning, uh, starting his great yeah. career at the time. And we we didn't have a girl in the in the show, so my agent at the time, Michael Grade, said, uh, "Well, there's a pub, you know. I've been told of a girl who had who does some little things on television with Cliff Richard, but she's good. She's going to double act, but I think on her own she would be yeah, great." Yeah. So we went to pick that girl, you know, and then we. Sugar for the for the show, and and there was ninety eight percent feminine audience night after night, and and they didn't like they hated her because well, right. she, she was touching me and saying the look of love with me, and she was crying. Not I'm just the girl next door. I'll never make it. I said, don't worry, you'll be a big star. You're good. You sing. You got a great voice. You're a great singer. And one year later, she went to the stage and she became Olivia Newton-John. <laughs> she became Olivia newton oh, Do you look back on the 70s as the best time for you, or which do you think has been your most enjoyable period of work? I, I don't look back. I mean, I, I really mean it. All, 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 I, all I look at in the future is, you know, people have been picking me on my age since I came back here, which I'm not ashamed of. And I wish everybody in the world <laughs> can, can be... You know, feel as good as I do, uh, being being the the same number. You know, age is what is the numbers and attitudes. Uh, so the attitude, and you know, I play tennis, I ski. I'm, you know, I, I don't really feel any difference from when I was forty or thirty-five. Really, so in this country, even give uh, give me one year old, old you know, more than uh, oh, what I am. I'm sixty-seven. 67, <laughs> they, right. they say they quote me sixty-eight everywhere. <laughs> I'll get to it anyway, when was hopefully. It so, uh, Jan- end of January. So uh, it's another year. It's, it's, it's 2001. It's not 2000. So it, it you know, it's not that that you know really bothers me. Say that I'm counting. Uh, well, you know, in three years, in five years, in, in uh, uh, 12 years and a half, I'll be 80, <laughs> and 12 years and a half is tomorrow. 
and and that's that's the thing that is frightening. Not 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 the the, the number in itself. I don't mind. You know, I, I can. I mean, I can take those stairs. We've been climbing up. I can can take anybody. Uh, try to follow me if you can. You know, it's, it just it just you know that it makes you think about it, which I don't want to think about. I feel good. I'm good. I'm happy here, and that's it. You've often been quoted as saying you wish you'd become a professional tennis player. How serious were you about that? I, I think I would. I wish no. I wish because I'm not. I'm not very gifted. I'm not right. very talented for tennis. I, I'm a better skier than tennis right. player. I started too late. No, I said because those two sports. I, we start, I started too late. You know, being already over 25 years old, and those sports, like any other sport, you got to start when so you're early. young. And some people asked me, you know. Uh, what would you have done? Uh, what have you would have done if you were not, if you had been a singer or a musician? And I said, I would have been. I would have loved to be a, a sports champion. And the two sports I like best. I, I mean, I played a lot of football. You know, like I, I always quote uh, people ask me, "What's your fa- favorite French football team?" And right. I say, "Arsenal." And, <laughs> and and yeah, I would have loved to be in sports. You know, and, and I love tennis. So why not tennis? Except that 30 years old, you're an old man. Ski the same, so maybe uh, I don't know. But, uh, but I would have loved to be a, a sport champ. Yeah, if I had the same success being a sport in sport than I had in music business, right. I would have loved it. Now you mentioned French footballers playing in England. David Ginola is one of them, and we have a programmer here called Stars in Their Eyes. I've seen where, it. Did you see it when he well, when he, he, he impersonated? He did, so me. tell me what did you think? Uh, well, did uh, he ask your permission? No, not at all. I, no, I discovered by the uh, luck on French television. I didn't even oh, know he right. had done it. I, I'm a great admirer of, of David. I, th- I think this guy is a great football player, and I think that the way France treated him is not right. Yeah, right and, and, no, you know, I mean, you have the same problem, you know, yeah, here. Yeah. But I think he's, a, he's one of the greatest players ever. Have you and, met him? Uh, very vaguely a couple of times. But now that I'm in England, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to meet him oh, to see okay. each other. Because I was very, I mean, it's very nice, you know, David Ginola is such a big star. And all of a sudden he's trying to raindrops, I was a wig, dark, he's blonde, you know, and I am still dark. And, and I, th- I thought it was uh, lovely. I, but uh, one man I'd, I'd like, I'm going to do so I can meet again is, is Arsene Wenger because I, right. I knew him when he was uh, in Cannes okay. the old days Let's go back to David Jindler. what yeah. do you think of the outfit that he wore though in the hairstyle what was your impression of that oh it's a joke you know, yeah? it's, it's, you're a bit embarrassed about it oh no it's, it's fun. fun oh I'm, I'm I mean I'm Although being French, I got a great sense of humor. Yeah. My, my British agent always doesn't understand what I'm saying. I say, oh, "You and your f- your dry sense of humor." I got a very dry sense of humor. British, really. I, c- I could be British, really. Yeah. What about Schindler's um, singing? Was that any good? Well, I can tell you, he probably sings a lot better than I play football. <laughs> we should try that. <laughs> uh, no, it was nice. I mean, the whole the whole thing that the, the, the wits is you know it's no pre- it's not pretentious. It's just yeah. just having fun and uh, and a Frenchman to another Frenchman yeah. was lovely. Now that record, raindrops keep falling. I mean, that went in the charts four different times in the year 1970. Why did it keep going in the charts? I don't know. You should ask the customers. That's strange, isn't it? I don't know. It's because yeah. you know it was not a massive hit like mm. all of a sudden if a, in three weeks' time you sell, you sell two million records. Mm. But it's it just you know keeping there. And 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 look, that 30 years later we're still here with it. Mm. You know, I, I've just done uh, what's with Richard and Judy, yeah, right. and they asked me to sing raindrops. <laughs> I'm going. I'm going to do Gloria Honeyford next week. She wants me to. Sing rain. I mean, I mean, it's, and, I, and I'm, I refuse. I say, come on, I, I can sing something else, yeah, yeah. and and that's the way it goes. It's one of those, 
immortal songs, you know, such a great, good song. You, I, I was on the Burt Bacharach tribute yeah, yeah. at the Albert Hall uh, on June the 30th. And Dionne Warwick was yeah. there, Petula Clark was there, Leo Sayer was there, Elvis Costello was yeah. there. I mean, it was, and I came on with, you know, all singing, the I wanted Alfie, da da da, with all the big things. And I came out just like, raindrops, I stopped the show. And Bert, who had never, I mean, he's been a friend of mine for years. I knew him when he was uh, conducting for Marlene Dietrich, you know, before he, his songs were famous ever. And he had never seen me perform Raindrops. And he said, man, you stopped the show. I said, I told you through all these years. And it was lovely to be with him and Dion and, and Hal David, who's a great writer as well. Why has that been your only hit record in Britain? It's a complete mystery, because you're immensely popular. You have been for many years, and you've only had one hit record here. Yes, but well, I haven't recorded much since. You know, I, if we see each other in six months, that might change. <laughs> uh, well, it just happened. You know, I had that contract uh, with an English recording company, which was American, as a matter of fact. And, and somebody in America called Joe Smith, who used to handle Frank Sinatra, which is not bad after all. I met Joe when, because when Sinatra recorded my song, The Good Life, I was invited, and Joe Smith was in charge of the session. He said, well, I want you to record it. I don't know you, of course. I want you to record it in English, but I want an American production, not, an, not a British one. And he introduced me to a gentleman called Jimmy Wisner, who had, in, among others, uh, produced Pata Pata by uh, Miriam McKeba and some other song, Tony Bennett's album. And he found, he's the one who found, who brought raindrops to me, and, uh, and we recorded it together, live, you know, with uh, two takes. And, and then he stayed in America, I came, he, I, the song began. And, and since, I never had the, maybe the right producer, and, and I was not offered to, I don't, at, the, at the moment I'm talking to you, I don't have a record contract at all. When people see you on the street, do they sort of hum it? You know, to, do they say just, it's nice. They say, "Hey, is that you, Sasha?" Hello, I've been a fan of you. You know, yeah, yeah. first of all, they ask the questions. Yeah. Now I'm talking about yeah, now. Yeah. But I mean, uh, you know, the. But do they sing it at you? There was a party sing? last night. I, I, you know, I was just like this. You know, and I went to see a friend of mine who's a club, Tramps, and John Gold has been a personal friend of mine for a long, long time. Hello, so we had dinner. You know, I didn't think you were. You know, I just asked the, the, the cab to go by and see if it was there. And he was there. So, oh, there's a party for Andrew Lloyd's Weber, uh, Weber first opening night. Take us. I can't come. I'm just, you know. Oh, it doesn't matter. Hippodrome. And I went to the Hippodrome and just around. You know, you know what it looks like, Leicester Square. The, the bodyguards there. Hello, Sasha. All right, you know, it started there. You know, the bodyguards. I mean, yeah. they, those guys are yeah. what 30, 30 years, thirty years old, thirty five years old. It was all there. You know. Then we went into into the party and and um, you know, it was such nice. And Andrew Lloyd Webber was. I mean, that was his night, and he took like ten minutes to to say that he was he was going to come to Chicago, and then, and it, it was all there as if I had been there. This, forever. You, know, you nice. seem surprised at your enduring appeal. Why are you so surprised? No, I'm surprised that uh, uh, you know, I, I do the Mrs. Merton show, okay, yeah. but I've been apart from that. I haven't done much for 20 years in this country, and, and, and I really thought that uh, Chicago would help me a lot to, to get back to, to the English mind, into the, the English minds, and I, I, all of a sudden, I think that I'm helping Chicago, <laughs> and and they still remember. And not only they remember, but it's it's actual. I had never left, and and that kind of, I re, it comes as a surprise. I mean, I can't I can't say it another in a different way. That it is a surprise, and I, and I love every second of it. The song "Where Do You Go To, My Lovely." 
So how flattering was that to be mentioned in that great song? Just a mention of me. And Peter, Peter, yeah, Peter Sarst that said, you know, and, 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 and I'm a friend of Sasha Distel yeah, yeah, yeah. in the song. Yeah, and yeah. at the time, I, I was not known in this country. It was just a year before I came out with Raindrops, yeah, yeah. which helped me a lot. Yeah. Because the, the name of Sasha Distel, everybody yeah. had heard by, by Peter Sarst, which yeah. was a big hit. Yeah. Uh, they, knew, they heard the name of Sasha Distel, but they, they didn't know who the hell that was. Then I came out with Raindrops. Bada boom, ding, here we were. <laughs> Perfect time. Yeah, per- exactly. Yeah. I mean, I would have paid fortunes for that than you know, the producers would have anyway. He said, well, I'm, um, I go to the jet set. I was supposed to put, I, I've never been part of the jet set, but he thought I was. So there was Zizi Jean-Mer and Sacha Distel, you know. Yeah, and it, I mean, it's, it, it's always nice, you know, to be, I mean, in England, you know, I was always aimed at coming to work here and then trying to do, to, because I, I think that I, I love to sing in, in English. And to me, the, the variety world, just singing music is, is English speaking, I think. French is a great language. There's some great French songs, but you know, Gershwin and all this and, and Sinatra and the, it, it's English speaking. I mean, all of a sudden, my name was all over an English speaking country. You know, for, it was great. You know, it's, it's you mentioned just now about meeting famous people. Who's given you the biggest thrill to meet or to work with over the years? So many. You know, I, I told you about Quincy Jones uh, earlier on. This, and he came, and at the time he couldn't write. I mean, he was a very slow writer, and I was working with Billy Byers, uh, and and Quincy was working for uh, another company. Right. And at three o'clock in the morning, he he would ring at our, the apartment I was sharing with Bill Byers, because he had two arrangements to finish by nine o'clock in the morning wow. for say, and he didn't have he didn't have the time, and he was asking Billy to give him a hand. So I was calling the copist to come and pick up page by page, and then making coffee, you know, and then and, and then Quincy became Quincy Jones, and Billy Byers became Billy Byers. And the day of the football cup final, the World Cup final, well, no, the World European World one right. this time, uh, Lynne Renault, you know, was like a legend in France, right. uh, organized a birthday party that night. Then she found out it was the European final cup uh, day. For and Quincy was in Paris. He was going to do a, a concert and hadn't seen Quincy for a long, long time. We, I got there, and look. Oh, fantastic! And you see, uh, that is really very, very dear to my heart. We, we just didn't pose for the yeah. picture. It just happened that we, we saw each yeah. other, and then, like, you know, 40 years. Had been, I mean, we, we had seen each other in the meantime. But just, you know, it's getting back to the roots. And, and to me, it's, it's very, very important. Because you, know? you said earlier on that Frank Sinatra had been a big inspiration to you, and he recorded one of your songs, didn't he? That must have been immensely flattering. Well, uh, I mean, you know, he recorded it, but not first. It's Tony, oh, yeah. it's Tony Bennett, the, yeah. the head of the song. And, and I must say that although I, I, I mean, you know, rather you write a song and you get a record mm-hmm. sung by Frank Sinatra, accompanied by the Count Basie Orchestra, mm-hmm. and, and orchestrated, arranged by uh, Christy Jones. I mean, <laughs> I mean, can you imagine? Yeah, yeah. A Frenchman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, was, I was delighted, mm-hmm. but I just liked Tony Bennett's version better. What, what was Sinatra like? Did you get to meet him at all? Very briefly. You know, he right. was uh, he was at the session. Uh, he came to the session, and uh, first of all, the band was there. The band rehearsed the four songs. 
uh, with Quincy, you know, conducting. Frank was not there. Then he wrote about an hour later and said, let's hear it. <laughs> Hello, everyone, let's hear it. So they played the four, four arrangements. So he did a couple of, uh, you know, little mentions about this. Be careful. I'm, I'm saying this, so it shouldn't be too loud. Then the strings, be careful. You give, give more support. You know, a couple of corrections. Like that. He said, well, okay, let's, let's do it. Which one? <laughs> well, which one do you like, Sal Frank? Well, let's do uh, um, Wives and Lovers was the first song that said. They did four songs in the session. So they started, well, you know, they did a couple of takes. He went back to the, to the booth and listened. Okay, next. Oh, it's, well, take the good life. Yeah, so, oh, well, I wouldn't like that start. <laughs> so do it again. So, yeah. They started the thing. He started to sing. Yeah. did one take. Say how is it? He said, at the end, oh great, friend, come and listen. No, okay, fine. Next, he didn't even listen. Went to the booth, listened, you know, and then two other songs the same. And one hour later, it was finished. So he came to say, oh, thank you. Oh, that's a great song. Thank you very much. And that was it. <laughs> <laughs> now you've done several royal variety performances here. Um, have you got any nice stories about the royal family here, and what do you think of them? Well, the first one, I was, uh, you know, you, when, when you finish royal command thing, yeah. which is, I mean, great to be on whichever uh, importance you have in the show. For some, I was down, down the stairs, and it was the Queen Mother. So I was just there, and then I, you know, and I, okay, fine. But the second time, I was on top <laughs> with Shirley Bassey. And, and that was the Queen. And, and, and you don't know, and should I kiss her hands? Should I use it? Because it's very strict, you know, you can't move. They always tell you about Chevalier, saying you must have done, you must have been a beautiful baby uh, to the Queen uh, Mother at the time, which had been a scandal, a, a lovely but a lovely scandal. And so uh, you know, she came to me and she started to speak to me in French, in a, in a good French. I said, "Well, you seem you seem to like this country very much, and to come here, we're we're, we're very happy." I mean, I thought of my father walking through Central yeah. Europe, you know, uh, and then here's the son is shaking the the hand of the Queen of England, which is, I mean, I was over, over over the moon really. So that was great. Then I did another one in Australia, and it's also I mean, you you feel very proud, you know. What what can I say? I, I'm still very much attached to traditions. And, and and that's the great about this country. Palace. You've had the French equivalent of a knighthood, haven't you? The Légion d'honneur or something. Yeah. Would you like to have had a? Would you like to be Sir Sacha Distel? <laughs> I was been in the seventies. I was betting my friends I, I, I would have the OB before the Légion of Honor. <laughs> Did you get it? No. Oh. <laughs> but uh, no, it's a, I'm a Legion of Honor. It's, you know, I, I received the the fan like I'm sure it's there. I think. Uh, the other day saying, uh, well, I've been following you since raindrops, you know, I'm now a, 50, a lady, 56 right. years old, yeah. and um, because of you, um, I, I took French, and I started to learn French, and, and my daughter speaks a fluent French now, mm-hmm. and, and I mean, that's probably the type of reasons why I was awarded the Legion of Honor, because mm-hmm. being French, which I never deny, and I still, you know, I never said that I'm not. And, and you know, going all over the world, staying French, and trying to give the best possible image of the country and of, of what I'm, the kind of things I'm doing. And that might be one of the reasons, you know. Now, um, you've been given lots of awards and whatever tributes over the years. What's been the bit most important one to you? Was that, was that the one? No, maybe the first little cup I ever won uh, as a jazz guitar. You know, there was a big night contest in, in between the bands and, uh, and, and 
musicians and I was awarded the best guitar amateur guitarist of the year that was in 1950 I think wow. and I was so proud of that you know I was so proud because then from the moment you're becoming a professional you get you know gold records and, and, and but I mean it's it's part of the business Legion of Honor is is, is I mean I've, I feel very flattered and uh, you know like that one of your colleagues colleagues sorry, uh, started to make me go into war because I, I said that I, I preferred to sing in English and French I didn't say that I said that when I was doing a song in both languages which I do currently uh, it, singing in English came easier easier for me that, that's all then she, that lady from the Guardian went into a war she went to to uh, ask the question to the lady from the French Institute who said that he should give the, his Legion of Honor back for the, oh. stupid stupid things you know I've, I've been I've been doing more for my country than than lots of those ministers you know uh, get paid for what, what do you do with all the souvenirs and memorabilia from your career? Is it hanging in your house? That's a good question. That's a lovely question, and you're going to get a lovely answer. Uh, because my wife had more of those cups, and I that as being a ski champion, yes, Olympic skier. And we said, not very recently, it was about two years ago, what are we going to do with all, all those things? You know, we're not like... Uh, uh, the Arsenal or Chelsea football club where they got the whole, whole full of trophies and women. Say, well, now our, both our, our sons are married, so what, what's going to happen? You know, the, the, our daughters in law are going to put that in a in a room, it's going to be dusty, you know, and then they just throw it away. And it just happened that I was very friendly through the years with with a guy called Cesar, you know, the sculptor. You know, we, did, we were doing all the com- compressed uh, cars and all those big oh, yeah, modern yeah, things. Yeah. He was a very personal friend of mine, and I gave him all those, and I asked him to do uh, to do a sculpture with it, yeah. and he did, and I have it. And, and it, unfortunately, Cesar died two years ago, just after. It's probably one of the last things he ever did. And, and it's great up. It's got about the, that lamp behind size, you know, about that size. And it's... it's Beautiful all object. Your gold discs, all your yeah, yeah. <laughs> what's happened to your wife's ones? They've yeah, all, all together. All oh, we're well. married. Uh, <laughs> but you've got three houses in France, haven't you? I would say two and a half. Why two and a half? <laughs> I, got, I got my house in in Paris, yes. which is the house I, I was living in when my wife met me and always said that she married because of the house, uh-huh. uh, which is very British, you know, like like all in in, uh, in Auteuil, which is. Uh, this is this where I was born in Paris, near the Bois de Boulogne. Right. My mother and me were born in exactly like a three three hundred meters square. Uh, so that's the house I had from the beginning. Then my wife, being what she was, and me discovering because she was out of ten years in the French Olympic team, and I was on my third day of skiing when we met. Uh, so it was difficult for me, and even worse for her to fall in love with somebody that couldn't ski, being yeah. the champion she was. But she had, she'd been raised in that lovely village called Megève, and she always dreamed that she would have a little chalet in Megève. So we, we built our chalet there, which is very small but lovely, very comfortable. And we go there in summer as well when there's no snow. It's just a great, great village, Megève. Then my wife's mother had a house, as a had, which she just died, unfortunately, a house in a place called Le Rayol in the south of France. And a lot of British people go there. Oh, right, okay. and, um, and I'm very popular there because of that. Sure. <laughs> you know, it became like a family house, like, you know, because my, my wife has uh, 
brother and sister, and they have kids too. So it's kind of like a reunion. Uh, I'm, we're we're handling the house actually, but I mean it still is a, is a so that's what that's what I call a half. Is the house where you were born and brought up? Is that still exists? It still exists, or is it being knocked down? Uh, to become a monument, you know, <laughs> well. in Paris, no. The house is a building, and my my parents had. Uh, Flat. Just hide a flat there. And right. there's, there's no more. Is there not a blue plaque on the wall there? Uh, no, no, not, not yet. I'm still alive. Hopefully. I mean, do you, when you look back at that area and, and you think, "Wow, you know, look how how far I've come." Does that give you immense pride? No, oh, not at all. I, mean, I, I never think of how far I've come. I'm just thinking of the next performance tonight, and uh, and hope to be good. You know, you, and, yeah. you know, I'm I'm not really looking back at all. You know, it's just uh, it's so many things to do yet. You know. How many years have you been in the business now? There seems to be discrepancies about that. All my all my life. <laughs> They're saying. Well, I mean, I mean, thirty-five years. Or? Well, you know, I started to to work uh, as a guitar player, jazz guitar, semi-professionally in 1953 being being a teenager and then i started my singing career with a scooby-doo that happened in 59 right so, so that's make f- uh, 51 years yeah. 41 yes 40, say, 41 yeah. years yeah. and does it seem like that or does it seem like yesterday when you look back so yes this morning really really this this yeah. morning you know and i got a good uh, my my neurons work well so i can lots of things i remember you know and what things do you want to happen in your future career? I mean, are you going to go on forever, or will you retire? One I want day? to go on as long as I feel uh, some dignity right. in what I do, you know. And then I feel that I'm, I'm just like you know, a sport guy that there's one, one too many race. The Chicago thing really giving me like a boost, yeah, you know. Yeah. I, I was doing it quietly, you know, enjoying the, the, mm. the maybe the between, you know, I told you I was doing about 50 concerts with a big band mm. a year, but I did a lot more TV appearances and maybe one concert in Germany, then one con- two or three concerts in Brazil, and then things like that. I was kind of enjoying it, you know, without trying to push. Uh, but that Chicago thing, you know, now I really want to go into my Chevalier's project ahead. And maybe Chicago in France, because we've been talking about. If you ever did quit, what do you think you might do? <laughs> That's a question I was very often I could never right. find a decent answer. Really? It's going to be very difficult because it's almost addictive, isn't it? This no, it, it is, it is, mm. it is. But I think I'm, I'm positive enough. Mm. I won't use the word intelligence, but uh, positive enough to, to realize the things when they happen, you know, and, and, and not be hurt. Sometimes you can be hurt, but, mm. you know, uh, oh, you sign this. Uh, uh, Picture for me, yeah. What's your name? It's not for me, it's for my mother. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, it's, it's great, you know. I haven't had the grandmothers yet, but uh, I sh- it should happen any day. But we, I mean, I always realize, you know, that that it can stop, and maybe someday I have to stop. And I, I mean, I can still go to the pub next day. It's a good guitar player. I can always pick up a guitar and, and have fun with it. You know, it's just the, that's the way I. I mean, I always said, you know, I'm not interested in. Of course, you you will want to make money and will want to have a beautiful house and, and you know be okay and and be able to buy a new car when you want one. But I mean, I I always said I could always take pick up my pick my guitar and go and sing the terraces of the bistro anywhere and make a living. So okay, I don't get a contract where I was okay. Never mind. A lot of people in, of your contemporaries have fallen foul of alcohol and drugs and things. Why have you survived and remained clean, as it were? My uncle, he didn't smoke, and I was so much full of admiration for him that when the first cigarette went to, in college, you know, like 14 years old, oh, yeah, I said, no, no, no. And then I, I became the one that didn't. Right. 
And when, uh, with the jazz, uh, in the jazz era, you know, in the Saint-Germain-des-Prés and all this, they, they started, the American uh, musicians came to France, started to say, well, you should smoke this, you'll play a lot better, you see? Once again, I said, no, I, ca I can't smoke anyway, so I don't know. And, and then all my friends went into this plus-heavy things later on, and I never did. Uh, How do you account for your enduring appeal? How, uh, I don't. I'm lucky, but honest. You know, when I go on stage, I don't cheat. And when, I'm, when I said, well, I'm going to play Chicago, and, they, you know, I accepted. They thought, first of all, I need the confidence of the people who asked me. Then I said, I'm going to play, I'm going to do it, and, and, and I give me every chance to be okay. So I mean, I've learned the lines. I worked very hard, and then the director can tell you, he wrote me a lovely letter in French. He's not French, he's English, you know. And saying that, you know, he's, he's never in his life has he seen somebody that really works. Do you think in general terms you've been given the, tr the credit that you deserve over the years? Maybe not musically, maybe not. I mean, a lot of people would, would pay for what I had. You know, I mean, I, th I think the, the, the sex symbol, the heartthrob, the, uh, some of those, you know, uh, just because my eyes have a special color or my nose is, well, yours is white too. <laughs> uh, you know, people have been talking a lot about that, uh, I ignoring a little bit that underneath that there was what I consider I might be a good musician. But, I mean, being still here, like, 40 years, 45, it means that, after all, uh, if I was just, uh, if it just had the looks, uh, it, it wouldn't have been enough. So, all in all, I'm happy. How satisfied are you with your career? I'm quite happy, you know, and uh, I think I, I did quite well, and I've still got a lot to do. you got to face, you know, that, have, I mean, I'm not Pavarotti, First of all, I'm a bass. I'm not a tenor. Uh, you got to go with, with what nature has given you, you know. And, and I think I, I did pretty well, you know. But but my satisfaction is not what I've done. It's what I'm I'm doing at the present moment, you know. It's it's uh, it's really, and you know it's six months, eight shows. I don't know. It means almost two hundred shows. And I, I really look at it like with, with en envy, you know. I'm I'm glad, you know. It's going to be uh, two hundred times. I'll be saying the same things. And, possibly in a different way and, and enjoy it and, and be at it, you know. Just being scared to catch a cold, uh, that's all I think about it. Do you want to live to a ripe old age? I want to live as much as I can if it's in good condition, you know, because I've been through difficult moments with uh, health, you know, got two cancers, and I know what it is, you know. I've, I've approached things more than lots of people did, and I don't want to, I, I mean, if I can avoid to end my life in a hospital with uh, tubes all over the place and, and getting weaker and, and be just sustained by the doctors, if I can avoid that, uh, you know, my, my, totally my mother-in-law just died, she, she, three seconds, she, she just missed breath and that was it. Uh, I would pay for that immediately, I mean, whatever I have, you know, so I said, don't see it coming. You've, you've also you know, experienced a car crash and a plane crash, but you've used the word lucky a lot with describing your life in this interview. Is that really how you see yourself? I, th I think, you know, there's somebody upstairs. I don't really like the ministers, but I think there's somebody upstairs that, that really picks you and drives you. And when it's the day, it's the day. When it's not the day, it's not the day. How would you like to be remembered after you're gone? Uh, you know, I, I, I was about, I was thinking some moments, <laughs> it's not really uh, uh, how do you call it idée uh, fixe, we call it in French we got an idea and just, just stick to it uh, of, of writing a letter saying that the day I'm not there anymore, I just want them 
to forget about me, not play my records on radio, not go in the front pages of the, of the, of the magazine saying I'd, he did this and he did that and he did not succeed this and he succeeded in that. I mean, just, it happens, just forget it. You know, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's not, it's, we're doing a, a kind of a, a very light business, you know, it's, it's, it's lovely. I mean, we're stars and we give some joy and some envy to, to, to the listeners and to the audiences. But when, once it's done, it's done. Forget it. Think about something else. I hope you don't mind me asking this, but will you be buried one day in Père Lachaise with all the other celebrities? <laughs> no, Père Lachaise is not a celebrity. Uh, no, 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 I'll tell you what, it's been a cimetière de Batignolles, which is the Porte Clichy. Right. And it's a funny thing you mentioned that, because my uncle and my parents are together there. And, and you know, we have in, in Paris a peripheric uh, boulevard all around Paris. And there's one special place on the peripheric I use all the time, and especially on my way to the, to the train or to the airport. And there's one special place on the peripheric where I can see the place where uh, where I'll be and why my and it sounds funny what I said my parents and my uncle are and every time it can be three times in a day every time I go abroad and I'm going to the airport I say hello I'll be coming someday you know it happens all the time and that's where I'll be 